Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a fun episode for you guys today. We've got some news, some current events. That's Our friend right. Magnus Walker is coming on the podcast. Awesome. Talk about some stuff for a little bit. Talk about SEMA, gambling, creepy dudes, Uh-oh. gluing ourselves to things, pooping <laughs> in buckets, like all kinds of just... This is a car and these are all things that we've done. Uh, you know, have you ever pooped outside? Yeah. But like in a place that, I'm sorry, guys, I don't know where we're going with this. All right out of the uh, gate. Have, okay. have, you ever, have you ever pooped outside? Have you ever pooped somewhere you shouldn't have pooped? <laughs> <laughs> is that where this is going? That's where this is going. No. I have done that, yes. Where? In, in the woods. Well, like that's I, fine. when I was scouting for the well, where did you expect me to say the library? I don't know, like a parking garage. <laughs> it's like that episode of Seinfeld, you know, where, he, yeah, like, where really they can't have to pee. go. They yeah. really have to pee, and they're yeah. wandering. Around I thought that was going to be you, but a number two. That was me, uh, almost when I got back from SEMA because I could. Okay. I don't remember because so we have two terminals here at the airports. Yeah, we have yep. terminal one, terminal two. Terminal right. two is the one that's very small. It's very easy. You just go in, you get out. It's very very nice, right? Okay. Terminal One is just a big ass airport, right? Just like anywhere else. It's yeah, huge. but I like all the things in it. Yeah, it's lots of things. I'm sure you're all about all the things. That's fine. Yeah, Terminal Two sucks because like no, Terminal you're Two You're limited is great. to only like two bars. Yeah, but I don't drink at the airport because it costs a fortune. Yeah, but how are you going to get your breakfast beers? What is a breakfast beer? Any beer before noon? Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, breakfast I don't, beer. Yeah, I don't. Do, I don't do any of that. <laughs> so I drove over on my way to see him. I drove to Terminal 2, got out of my car, yeah. looked look for parking for like 15 minutes, Okay. got out of the car, parked the car. Don't they have the really like high-tech parking ramps where it has like little lights over they, each spot? The lights are a lie. Okay, they don't work. What? Can, no. Yes. So I, it's green saying there's an open spot and it wasn't light, open? I think, I think it's a blue light. Yeah, okay. it doesn't work. So I, I park the car, get out, run inside and go, oh no, I'm at the wrong terminal. <laughs> So I'm standing there in the security line. I've done that. I'm like, oh shit. So then I go, I'm like, then I'm, I'm late. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm pretty good at just being, I'm being there at the correct time. It works. I get to the terminal. Yeah. Boarding happens within a couple minutes. So you, you, you plan it close. Like I plan that. it close. Cause I don't want to be there. What happens right? if the security line is super long? I have clear. So I just go yeah. through. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm a clear, guy. huh? Yeah. Clear works great. Clear's like the third party one. It's yes. not even a TSA one. Why well, the TSA one's I, like a Okay, I'll have to ass. talk to you about this af- off air because I I gonna do pre check. Yeah, should I do clear instead? Clear is great. It's like a hundred bucks a year, and then you just go boop, and some cute chick walks you up to the thing. It's awesome, and then they just go, oh, here's your boarding pass. All right, go ahead. Huh? It's there's it's it's instant to the front of the line. Go. There's no line at all. It's better awesome. than pre check. I don't know. I've never had pre check. I'm just telling you this is how this works. You walk up, it scans your eyeball. It goes immediately to the FBI to check the database nice. of whether you're a criminal or not. Yeah. And then I'm just surmising that that's what happens. What if and I steal your eyeball? I did. And then it implant raise, it in my own. It's going to raise red flags when your eyeball is drooping and falling out of your eyes. <laughs> you just scan in, and then they, they, they literally walk with you uh-huh. to the security guy. They go, I've got one pre-checked right here. He goes, can I see your boarding pass? They go, yep. And you show it to him. They're like, go ahead, sir. It is awesome. Huh. Okay. Not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> now sponsored <laughs> by Clear. <laughs> it, it's, it's great. Anyway, so I get into this and I go, oh my God, I'm in the wrong. So then I had to run back and uh-huh. I go, I don't know where I parked. Oh so no. So I had to so I had to just whew, I stopped at the parking ramp and I closed uh-huh. my eyes and I tried to like re <laughs> I try to remember this works for me. Okay. I, I had to remember the things that I saw. 
Right. Okay, I'm like, okay, I saw this. Look around. There it is. Go to that. Oh, yep, yep, boop. And it kind of you know, like falls you know what? like dominoes. It does for me. And you work backwards. Yeah, for me, I've done that before too, but I, I try to remember what I was thinking about because it's rare that you're just like walking and only focusing on things. Yep. So it's usually like, oh, I was like trying to figure out something or doing, and if I remember that, somehow that'll put me in the mind space where I was and then right. I'll figure out how I got I'm there. a very visual person. I'm always yep. looking at things. I'm always yep. looking at things and perspective and you, it, you've noticed when I'm in the airport, sometimes I'll do stories, Instagram yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's and right. And it's always about like uh, vanishing points and perspective and yeah. and empty spaces. And I, you know, so I'm always looking for that stuff. Okay. So then that's kind of what triggers my mind. Anyway, that makes so sense. I run my ass. I'm running. Yep. I hate being the guy that's running at the airport. Oh yeah. Because you're, you're like, come on, guy. guy. I'm like, dude, you're so dramatic. You're, you're, you're gonna that be important. You're gonna shut the you're door that on important. you. They're never gonna shut the door on you. They know you're there. They saw that you checked in. Typically, mm, when you're running out, they will really? shut the door on you eventually, but they always give you extra time. If you go to the airport, you go through security check-in, they know that you're there. Interesting. They know that I you're at the airport. I guess I didn't realize that. So they will page And that's you. why you always get the paging. You get the paging. Ah. Anyway, so I get, I get all the way there, get to my car, drive over to the other terminal, park, leave, run in. By the time I get back from SEMA, I don't remember because I was in such a hurry. <laughs> I don't remember what I saw, nothing. So it's a small parking ramp. So I eventually I found the car. But Just wandering yeah. around. Yeah, wandering around. And I flew Sun Country. Yeah. I hate Sun Country. Yeah. Do not, do not like Sun Country. I get, so I'm, you, you have to pay for everything. Oh, you know, yep. if you wear, are wearing two shoes instead of one, it's an extra oh, $25. Yep, yep, yep. If you're wearing Birkenstocks, <laughs> it's an extra $50. That's so a all this stuff costs extra money. So yeah. I go online, uh-huh. choose my seat. Twenty-two extra dollars to be in row seven on the aisle, okay. which is awesome, right? You're gonna get off the plane fast. I had just walked thirty thousand steps a day for three or four days, <clears throat> so, so I want to be able to stretch my legs sure. out, whatever. And I've only got a backpack because I'm not gonna pay fifty dollars to bring another bag. I just put right. all my backpack. I get there, they're like paging Chris Cluel to blah 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 blah. blah. I'm like, oh no, what the hell is this? I'm like, is it? So then I'm, I'm like, what, what did I do? Is, is the time wrong? Nothing. No, time's fine. I'm on time. It's a big deal. So I get there, like, sir, we wanted to let you know that we gave your seat away. What? Why? I said, I said what do you mean? So we gave your seat away. Someone was in a wheelchair and needed a seat. And in my head, I'm having this battle. Do I want to be an asshole? <laughs> yes, I do. And then one out. <laughs> so then I go, I go. What do you mean you gave away my seat? I paid for that seat. It's mine. It's my seat. I paid for it. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, and she's like, sorry, sir. You know, this person's handicapped. I'm like, well, was there someone else's seat you could, why, why me? Why me? Oh, God. Why me, God? Why me? Uh-huh. And in my head, you know what would have changed this? Why? Chris Cluel come to this kiosk. Hey, man, someone's in a wheelchair. Would you give would up your you? seat? Would you? Would you? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. But it wasn't your choice. But it wasn't my choice. So then I'm mad about it. So then I'm yep. in row 28 in the middle of, of, oh, of two people. Yep. All the way in the back of Did the plane. Did you get your twenty-two dollars back at least? I haven't called them yet. I couldn't. They're like, "Oh, you need to call customer service." Oh, and I'm like, "Well, how long is that going to take?" Oh, we're very fast. Right? Uh -huh, sure. Uh -huh. Do not believe you at all. <laughs> so then I'm cramped. So then I'm sitting here at the back of the plane, waiting. I just the absolute humanity of watching everyone slowly pull everything out of the overhead compartment. Yes drives me well insane. my favorite at least you're not the guy i hope who like stands up in the rear and like tries to cut everyone somehow like well i'm just gonna run to the front i can't blame the guy 
I can't, really? I can't blame that guy's guy. an asshole. He's he an has asshole? the breakdown of society. Look, you've been in this tin can for probably two hours as it is. Sit your ass down and wait the 12 minutes that it's going to take for everyone to get off the plane. You know, what, you know what I do? I pretend we're still in the air until my row is clear. You know what I do? What? I stand there and go, what is wrong with all these people? <sighs> what is taking them so long? It should be this. Everybody that only has, to be able to sit on the aisle row, uh-huh. you should have one bag. If you don't have one bag, you do not have prior, a priority to be on the aisle row. They should be like, okay, everybody with nothing in the overhead compartment, get off the plane. It would take probably 60 seconds to empty all of those people off the plane. <laughs> and then it's done. I don't have to sit there while grandma grabs three bags and then all the gifts she brought for 76 grandchildren yeah. out of the overhead compartment. Who cares? You've I been do. in the plane that long. It's all mental. I always, if you just set I the have, expectation for yourself that, guess what? To, I'm no, still on the plane. No. This journey is going to take me 12 more minutes just because it's we're on the 12, tarmac. It's more than 12. It doesn't matter. It's more than Half an hour even. Oh At God. most. It's even if it's half hour, that's okay. It's part of the journey. How are you not like vibrating out of the seat I knowing you? Well, here's the thing. I had to learn to do this. Otherwise, I, I, because I was that guy. The problem first. is, is whenever I get my flights in the United States, being uh-huh. in Minnesota, they're always approximately three hours. Right. No matter so, where you go. So, so another 10%, if that even, I you're probably fine. go to the bathroom every three hours and five minutes. Okay. In, as as day as the day goes on, so I get on the plane. I don't have to pee. By the time I land, I gotta pee real bad. Then use the bathroom halfway like, through. I don't like using the lavatory. And this is the lavatory. It's only it's just like, <laughs> you only you it's only, only call a lavatory it, on a plane. It's only lavatory on a plane. It's only like, do not uh, smoke in the lavatory. Yep. Has anybody ever called it a? La- I'm gonna start doing that. Excuse me. Can I use your Where's lavatory? Where's your lavatory? <laughs> like, What's what? the etymology of lavatory? What is I that? What's, where does that word come from? It's probably Latin. Lava like. The pooper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, so I was at SEMA. Uh huh. I was gonna say uh, I was dropped off at Terminal One once, and was supposed to be at Terminal Two. Yes. And Nikki was like already at work by the time I figured that out. Yep. So I had to take the light rail oh. underground from Terminal One to Terminal Two. That is the only time I've ever been on the light rail. Yeah. Well, it worked really slick. Actually, that's I'm what sure. you should have done. It was super fast. Not faster than running to my car and driving over there. Oh, a hundred percent. Because you had to park it in. This, you literally come from downstairs up to the escalator. You're there. You know what way worked? Mine. It was fine. I like my way. Just saying. It worked out fine. Just saying. Yeah. That could so have I was been at a solution. SEMA. So I went out to SEMA to uh, talk about the rally with folks. Yeah. Rally and overcrest. That's what you do. Yep. You go to SEMA. Networking. You, you go to SEMA and you talk about yourself. It's great. No. That's what everyone does. No, you go to SEMA and you you, know, you kind of network and you listen yeah, to Yeah, we decided she, collectively it'd be a really good idea for you to go out there. And and I've never been. Right, I've I haven't always, either. I've always avoided it like the absolute plague. So, yeah, I understand that, but I would have had I had ample time to prepare. I, I want to go. I would have wanted to go to see it. So, and why? I'm assuming most why? people why? haven't been there. Why would you want to go? I, it just seems like something. It. I don't know. I. I'm curious. He's curious. Okay. I never. <laughs> I don't like Las Vegas. I feel like that entire. I've never actually spent time in las vegas it, the Only entire place it. is built as a way to extract money from you yeah like the entire place is it's all entertainment it's all entertainment and so there's Which is fine there's good parts of vegas and then there's you know the some people like go to vegas like once a month because it's a cheap vacation like i know people who love not even, not vegas it's, probably it's not more and it's getting more and more it used to be that there. flights were like a dollar forty dollars thirty dollars yeah, it was vegas 
I don't know. I don't. When I walk around Vegas, you see all the lights and everything. Everything looks like everything's really nice, especially on the Strip. Everything's really nice okay. and it's clean. Yep. You get off the Strip, it deteriorates very, very fast. But even when you're on the Strip, you see people walking around. Yeah. And you can tell tourists from people that live there. Okay. Because the people that live there look like they're walking around with 50 pounds of bricks on their back. Oh, I just feel, depressed. I feel like that entire the entire city is built off of a vice. Right. Oh, it's yeah. Built off of drinking, sex, and gambling. Nice. That's it. Yeah. No, those you're right. are the three things that it's based off of. Everything is either you want. They want you to have sex with it. They want you to uh, <laughs> with spend. It? They want with it. Whatever. They. Uh, <laughs> hey, so I'm not judging anybody. They. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're general neutral on this podcast. It's fine. Okay. We, uh, they have the roulette machines and the gambling. So they, uh-huh. or it's extracting money from you. Okay. Or you're spending money on booze and going to a show or something like that. Yeah. That's it. That's all you do there. That's what people find entertaining. I find it good at face value, but the farther you follow the vice down, yeah, the, the uglier it gets. Sure. Because you're starting out, you're like, oh, let's go see the the naked cabaret thing. It's cool. There's hot chicks and they're dancing around. It's entertaining. Or we yeah. go see. But below that level uh-huh. is the guy standing on the street with the little cards in his hand. Oh, yeah. Where they go, and they yep. hand you a card. And, of course, we're walking down the strip, and these dudes are, and it was cold. Man, the guy's like following us. He's like, man, we got some warm titties for you. We got some warm titties. We got some warm titties. You need some warm titties, buddy? You need some warm titties? Wow. And, and they're just like hounding you and hounding you. I'm like, dude, yeah. I don't need any warm titties. I don't need them. And he's like, well, fine. Get some, get yourself some cold titties then. <laughs> and I'm like, what hey, is going yeah, on? Respect the sales pitch on that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not warm. I got you either way. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. That just got really dark. Is that like. I don't know. Dead I don't titties know. then. I don't know. Oh, Anyways. God. Jeez. Yeah, yeah dude. Right? Dude, dude, you're Cold re- titties. Re- reel, it back. reel it reel it back in. You're the one who's talking about dark holes. And I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying, it's like you, everything has this veneer, and yeah, veneer, oh, the yeah. veneer is the particle board of Las Vegas, sure. right? It's just the yeah. cheap, sleazy. So veneer. let's get more anyway. on topic. Okay. So SEMA, I, I haven't been. I don't know much about it other than what you see on social media. And I feel like most people also haven't been because it's an industry show. Technically, right. if you, you can't a, if be- you work, If you're a mechanic, you can go. Right. But if you're just like a, a guy- you, you, can't can't, go. you can't go. They're you checking need your badge. You need media or yep. you're in the industry to go. Yes. So SEMA, is it is it a big convention center? So it's at the Las Vegas Convention Center, okay. which is massive. Right. It is I'm the biggest convention big center. I'm curious how big it is. Enormous. There's like these different wings. Like you have like South Hall, West Wing, North Hall, Central Hall. And does East. SEMA take up the entire thing? The entire thing, thing and outside. Okay. So you've got because I have seen some stuff like outside. Yeah, they have lots. like the burnout stuff. The drifting stuff is outside. By the way, there was a uh, the Hoonigan drift or burnout pen. I don't remember what it's called, but there was a guy. I think it was like a challenger or a charger who was doing burnouts on like twenty year old tires. Okay. And the tire disintegrated. I saw that video. Blew off the quarter panel, and the yep. tire landed on a truck about fifty yards away. I saw that video. Just imagine if that was a person. Yeah. So I'm not sure what they're going to be doing next year. Yeah, that seems dangerous. People look at that. Sometimes you don't think about stuff. You're like, oh, that happened. Okay. So I think they're going to, they have to like cage it in. Yeah. They have to because that was. I mean, it's, it is dangerous as it is to just oh, have just, people sitting around. A, you're just behind a little out. concrete barriers. People right. are just whipping their car around. It's super dangerous. Did you, I was curious if you attended any of those. Yeah, I did. I went and climbed up on one of the. Since here I, I couldn't see. So I like monkeyed myself up some bleachers and I'm like hanging off with one arm like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty dangerous as I'm just like teetering on this on this aluminum thing. Yeah. 
It, it was interesting. I'm not. I'm not really into burnout. Yeah, really. I'm not either. I'm not. I don't really care. It's kind of. It was cool to see it all happening there, but just yeah. in terms of like being on a street corner and some guy does a burnout, I'm just like, come on, dude, guy, who are you trying? Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, what are you, what are you doing? So it's basically. But, by the way, my my best. I think it was our friend Colin who was like, anytime you see like a guy rev at you or like do a burnout or something, where obviously the guy's trying to show off or impress you. Yeah. He, our buddy Colin was trying to explain this to his sister. It's like, what is that about? And you're like, oh, that was, that was obviously for us. I forget what car we were in, but it was obvious the guy was showing off to us. I go, oh, so it's like guys flirting at each other with their cars. Yeah. That's what it is. It's It's car flirting, right? You're like, hey, rev, rev, look at me. It's, you're trying to get noticed. You're trying to get noticed, but not in the let's make out kind of way. No, but I, it, the analogy works. Like it's car flirting. When you see someone rev at you or they, you know, do something because they be- see your cool car and they're like, oh, well, I need to, I need to show him. Yeah, but that means your analogy would mean that they want to drive your car. Let <laughs> 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 I mean, they don't want to drive so your car. So what is the analogy? Because there is this weird like. You're, yeah. you're trying to get that person to know it's that flirt- you know. You're flirting with yourself. It's for your own personal ego. Yeah. Is what it, is what it really is. Okay, so Anyways, SEMA is like. Totally off topic. It's everything from like Ling Long Tire Company to okay. uh, BBI Autosport, Hoonigan, right. Mobile One. You're saying it runs the gamut. Everything. Of- it's everything. There's semi-tires there. There's tire mounting machines. There's LED light bars. It's anything about a car. Okay. Anything. It's, okay. it's there. The companies are there. It's nuts okay what is the biggest um sub industry that's represented maybe sub in the the most ubiquitous brand uh-huh that i saw okay at sema was hoonigan everywhere everywhere what they were they were this is gonna sound were, dumb because i know what hoonigan is but mm-hmm. what what are they selling they're a production company so they work with different brands and stuff like that it's kind of like this I, but like, okay, so you see their booth, the Hoonigan booth. What what are they showing? What are they selling? I don't. They didn't have a booth. Okay. That's the thing. They were just everywhere. So they mm. were with eBay Motors. They were with okay. tire companies. They were with uh, Mobile One. They were with. Interesting. I mean, they were just with like kind of like partners with all these uh, industry companies. I don't and know. then their cars have like all the logos all over. So it's kind of like this partnership. Thing, but we produce content right and, and it's, then we this sell is a t-shirts. little inside baseball but being in our realm now where we're trying to you know we're, we're partnering with other companies yeah. and stuff as a as and of course they sell company. they sell shirts it's, curi- it's just i find it very interesting like what what are they doing what are they like, actually selling how does that work it's overcrest on steroids for different people i think right you know it's it's not our target market um I think they do some interesting things, like all the Ken Block videos. The we are, we are not in Hoonigan level, by the way. No, no, of course not. Um, I wouldn't even pretend that we well, are. Well, you did compare us. No, I'm just saying that it's it's a different audience. Yeah. It's not it's not our it's not our people. It's just it's maybe some of our people, but generally, Hoonigan is more of like this brash. We're gonna do burnouts. We're gonna do drifting. We're, it's just it's not quite the same type of thing. Yeah, I don't, no, for sure. I don't. I just, I just find the the model of it very interesting. It is, it is super interesting. They make t-shirts. Regardless, too, yeah. okay. So Hoonigan's everywhere. Hoonigan was everywhere. Their cars were everywhere. Their brand was everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. Okay. Which is insane coming from uh, a brand that's you know start out very very small, just doing you know. Right, and who, I get they sell it, clothes. Think of a think of the brand as like a you're. 
like hooligan, right? Hooligan, hooligan. Yeah, you know, you yeah, get yeah. The but they've made a word that's almost like toilet paper. It's like right. you're a hoonigan if you're yep. doing these types of things. So kudos to them. It's really cool. But their brand was was really. You to, meant to Kleenex answer, with that analogy, by the way. What did I say? Toilet paper. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. So <laughs> toilet paper is not a brand. I no, it's not. No, no, no. It, it isn't. Yes, Kleenex. You're right. Okay. So um, you also have in the notes wheels. Just, just oh, wheels. The amount of wheels. <laughs> like wait, every car needs wheels. I will tell you it that. It does. But you kind of you stand in the middle of the wheel hall. Okay. So there's, there's a hall, hall for wheels. of wheels. And you look to the left and you look to the right and you're like, I swear to God, that's the same wheel. <laughs> I swear to God. The only thing different is the cup size of the girl standing next to it. Oh. And so that's where all the girls are, are in the wheel area. Really? They're all pedaling wheels. Oh, girls okay. Girls in slicky dresses, slutty dresses. And you're standing there and you're you're like, wow, she's pretty good looking. And uh -huh. then then you see, and that's that's the extent of my action. Okay. Right. Wow, she's really pretty. Yeah. And then I move on. There are guys oh, no. that are like, wow, she's really pretty. I'm gonna take a picture with her. Oh yeah. Or wow, she's really pretty. I'm going to sneak a picture of her oh, where nobody is looking. You see guys walking with their phones at their hip, like click, click, click as they're going by. And why like why are you I don't know. Why? I don't know if it's because of its like association with Vegas and and but I it no. Is, what I'm saying is why that guy like at least just be like oh cool I'm gonna take a picture of you like just take I a think, picture. I think that guy knows. So there's you've got two guys. There's one guy that doesn't think it's wrong is like right. whatever, and then you've got the guy that knows it's wrong but right. That still guy's wants so much anyway. more sleazy. He is so much. He's like, so much. Just, so much fine. Just what take a picture. Doing, what are you doing with the photos? And what are you? They're all signing posters, right? Right. So what are we doing with the poster that the girl signed that's got her boobs hanging out all over it? It goes in the I, shop. Look, I love boobs. Right. I love but boobs. It's I have just, a yeah, naked lady air freshener sleazy. hanging from all of my cars. Yes. But for some reason, associating with real people in real life was really weird to me. <laughs> it's it's just like the the, yeah, the it's tuner weird. girl. It's 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 a very like uh, import culture thing too. Yeah. I think, and yeah. I think. Maybe that has something to do with. Well, you know, not necessarily. It started with the hot rod culture. All the hot rod mags had the girl, they did. the pinup girl. That's yes. where it started. Yes. But I know what you're saying. Well, well, I think anytime man <laughs> has liked something, he has tried also to put associated. A, let's. What would this look like with a, a with a woman with a naked woman standing right next to it? Oh, wow, it looks better. It looks so much better. It's true. It's uh -huh. true. It does look a uh -huh. lot better when uh -huh. there's a naked girl it's with true. it. Hundred percent true. Oh my 100%. goodness. Hundred percent true. Oh, All right. So what else do I have for Seaman? I have anything else written down there? Gambling. Gambling. Yeah. It's whatever. I lost. I don't know. Probably three or four hundred dollars. What? Yeah. I was. <laughs> you, you you don't strike me as someone I'm, who ever I'm not, gambles. I'm not. I'm not a gambler. Then why the hell would you put hundreds of dollars it was over down? the course of two nights? And I was just. I was just. Fun. It was just fun. Just fucking around. Like, right. I didn't expect to win anything. We were at the like the uh, the cashier thing, and the guy goes, "Man, the gambling gods take it away, and they give back." And I really hope they're giving back today. And you're just like, the guy said, "No, like, just a, a guy, a in line, guy, a yeah. guy in line." And you're just like, oh, "Man, ooh, 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 just good luck, buddy." But I yeah. walked right up to the roulette table, and I put hundred bucks on red. Okay, and, and then it came up black. It came up black. <laughs> as fuck. So then I got another chip, a hundred dollar chip. And I just threw it in the air, uh -huh. and seeing and wherever it landed, it was red twenty three. Yeah, didn't didn't land on red twenty three. But we were playing the electronic roulette later, yeah. and red twenty three came up twice. And you're like, ah, <laughs> delay. Yeah, it was fun. Like we got me and uh, um, Mark and Matt Crook. We were kind of just gambling a little bit on these this electronic roulette. And we were down to eighty five cents. Okay, we were down to eighty five cents. So we're like, okay, let's pool. 
together with all our coupons, like 15 cents here, 50 cents here, yeah. 20 cents. So then we walk over to the, um, like one of the, we called it the, the gold pig machine or whatever. Okay. It's like one of those electronic, like, put all the little tickets in, adds up to 85 cents. And we got that up to $5. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we like, took the $5 it, yeah. over to the roulette table okay. and got that up to $140. Are you serious? Serious. It's too bad the 85 cents didn't have like two decimal points behind it. I know, it. right? But then you would never do that. You're right. I would never do that because you would it, never it, take I would 85. never risk the money. I yeah. would never risk it in such a right. way except for my throwing $100 on the thing. I don't know. I was just, whatever. It was fun. I knew I was probably going to lose it, but it's just like this kind of fun thing. And I think gambling is okay if you can do it in that way as a game, right? It, right. It's, it's just not your daily thing. Yeah, it's not your not your daily thing. Anyway, so I saw Magnus was at SEMA. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh yeah, that's right. He's got the exhibit at the Peterson Museum. Yes. And I wanted to hear more about it. Um, but before we get to talking to Magnus, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's talk and about something you could have put the $100 towards that would have been much better than just a roulette table. Yes. Petrol box. You know, I feel like the, the, the $100, <laughs> I, I feel like I was... I was doing it for the guys that were with me. Oh, showing off. Just being like, because, you know, it's yeah, like it's like yeah, a group this thing. Is, like, this here is we go. Revving my engine at you there. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. look at me. And if I would have won, everybody would be like, yeah. Yep. The crowd would have went wild. Anyway. <laughs> All the women, their shirts would have magically come off. Yes. Yeah, it would have just blown their dresses off. Yeah. Isn't that the Nicolas Cage movie? Like the, the heavens will open and yeah. champagne will rain down. Yeah, that's and, gone and in 60 seconds. Yeah. Anyways, Petrol Box is what you should have done with that money. Much better investment. It's a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all to be sent right there to your doorstep. It's the latest and greatest gear in the industry curated just for you. And there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrobox Basic is 20 bucks a month. Less than 20 bucks a month. That's nineteen ninety five. Five 95 Five months. You would have been five much months. better off doing that. Five t-shirts, five stickers, five Dude. pins, five all kinds of Detailing fives. different stuff. It's great, yeah. Well, I mean, I would have won on that. I, it would have been like... 3600 bucks if I would have won on that red 23. That would have been, <laughs> been a lot of petrol box. Yeah. Uh, you also have the petrol box premium, which is $39.95 a month for even more gear. Check either one of those packages out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout. That'll get you $6 off your first month. All right. I was able to catch Magnus on his on his way to New York. He's at the airport where he's talking for me. So you hear, hear the announcer probably trying to give away his seat to somebody. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Here's my conversation with Magnus. Hey man, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing very well. What's uh what's cracking? Well, I'm actually sat at a gate at LAX waiting on a flight to New York City. That's what's cracking. What's going on in New York? <clears throat> you know, getting my steps in, doing some big <laughs> Apple Outlaw stuff. You know, hanging out basically is what's happening in New York. Oh well that's that's always what I end up doing when I'm there. I uh Yeah, you know. It was awesome seeing you at the uh Lufka Cult and uh I uh, made me think I should touch base with you and talk to you about your Peterson Museum exhibit, which is which is amazing. And I was reading through, like all the uh, you know you can click on the different cars on the website, and I was reading through the one the little bio on your 930, which is okay, super cool yeah. by the way. 
and I'm reading it in like my voice, like, you know, your inner monologue that you have in your head. Uh-huh. And then all yeah. of a sudden I got to like to this and it says, or so the story goes about this car. And it, immediately I'm like, oh, Magnus must have written this. And then everything else I read was some was like read in the Magnus voice. And it seems like uh, there's a lot of you in this exhibit. So I want to know why this exhibit exists and what it means to you personally to have your collection featured there, because that is quite an honor. Well, thank you very much. I mean, the interesting thing um, about the exhibit, you were reading it. If you're actually there physically, you can scan a, a QR code on every description. So everything that's on display in the museum has a QR code. You scan it, and I ramble on in my own voice telling you the story about <laughs> what it is you're looking at. So that doesn't answer your question. Uh, the UO10 exhibition is a retrospective 10-year anniversary of uh, Tamir Moscovici's award-winning short documentary film of the same name. They came out October 15, 2012. So it's more than just the 10 cars that are on display. My 10 goal years, man. 10 years. Yeah, time wow. flies when you're having fun. It really does. <laughs> so, yeah, the goal was to sort of celebrate the 10-year anniversary on October 15, 2022. And uh, the goal really was to relocate part of my garage to the Peterson Museum. You know, I've, I've found over the past 10 years, a lot of people have come by and want to come by. And... Uh, Around this time, it's not quite as easy for me to have people come by. I'm traveling. I'm not always there. So it just made perfect sense to relocate the garage to the Peterson or part of it. And literally everything that's on displays has been removed from the wall downtown at my garage and rehung at the Peterson. So there's a few things I'm super proud of. One is having the opportunity to be involved with the Peterson in this capacity. Two, all 10 cars that are on display there were physically driven to the museum and driven into the gallery and put on display, which is not really a big deal until you realize almost every car in the Peterson arrives on a trailer and is actually pushed into display. So this was a bit of a first for me, actually having 10 of my cars in motion on the road at the same time. You know, in the past, I've had two or three or three or four, you know, occasionally I'll invite buddies down and we go drive cars. But so it was a first to me to actually have 10 of my favorite cars, which I picked from my collection in motion on this journey from downtown LA. Of course, we made a film. We took a little scenic lap over the Sixth Street Bridge. And then uh, we all made it in one piece. No one broke down. No one got stuck. (laughs) Everyone made the traffic lights. And, uh, you know, it seems easy, but getting 10 cars, uh, a few of them hadn't ran in at least a year. So there were some issues that had to be solved before we even attempted the drive. Most of them were fuel-related, like, Clogged fuel lines, yep. you know, float bowls, injectors, needles. You ever feel bad uh, that, that stuff like that doesn't get driven? I mean, that's got to sting a little bit for you. Yes and no. You know, I mean, like I say, I travel a lot, so I'm not always there to drive them. I obviously have more cars than I really need. Cars that are, you know, on the back row in the garage sometimes are difficult to get out because to get one out, you might need to move three or four. You know, they don't all necessarily, none of them have battery charges. So, you know, there's, a, you know, at least a battery issue to begin with. Then half the time you find, well, the car is not starting because it's sat too long. So, yeah, I, I guess in reality, maybe it is an issue that, you know, I've got cars that I don't even drive myself, which when the Peterson said we want the exhibition for three and a half months, my first initial thing was, wow, that's a long time. I don't know yeah. if I can be without my babies for three and a half months. <laughs> but the opportunity it has brought forward is to drive the cars that weren't getting driven before. Cars that were shoehorned on the back row in the back corner type of thing. 
So now I'm essentially going through all cars, getting them road work. So what, when you, someone comes to this exhibit and they come there, what, and, and if they don't know you, what are they, you know, what are they getting from this exhibit? What is kind of the, what is, what are you trying to get across to people at this exhibit? What's important? I mean, for me, I talk about inspiration being all around. It seems people, you know, relate to what I've done separate of the cars. So the UO10 exhibition is not just the 10 cars. And the 10 cars are on display, a front engine, mid engine, rear engine, both air and water cooled. So as you know, when you think of Porsche, a lot of people just think of air cooled 911, all cooled 911. My goal here is, is sort of showing that there's more to Porsche than just air cooled 911s, which is why I've got a 924 there and a 914 there. So separate of the variety of the 10 cars, which are sport purpose, streetable track cars, and nine out of 10 of them are modified with the exception of the 76 Turbo, which just happens to be the first US Turbo ever sold. I'm showcasing sort of my passion for Porsche. And also, if it wasn't for Tamir's film, a lot of the collaborations that are showcased there, such as the Nike shoes, the Hot Wheels, things that I've done with Momo, with 1552, the book, none of those would have happened without the film the TED talk and everything that came after it. So in a way, it's kind of me sharing my experience that anything is possible if you follow your passion. And that is what the exhibition's about. It's the fifth time there's been an exhibition in the, in the Legends Room in the vault at the Peterson. But it's the first and only time anything's been hung on the wall. When I told them what I wanted to do, at first he said, no, you can't hang anything on the wall. And I said, why? And they said, well, we haven't done that before. I go, well, that's not really a good enough reason. I go, you got a wall. Like, yeah, you got a wall exhibition upstairs, right? Wouldn't be the same if the Warhols weren't on the wall. It would just be, you know, eight Mercedes in a room with no walls that were painted uh, by Andy, of course. So in the end, I convinced them to allow me to hang stuff on the wall. And for me, I moved really organically. You know, the, the museum, I get it. They wanted a list of every item that I was bringing in, but I don't work that way. I go, I'm just going to bring a bunch of stuff from the warehouse and I'll put it in what's on the wall when I'm done, you can count it. And that's what I'm bringing in. <laughs> there must the have been some serious hand wringing because, you know, those oh. museum guys are just like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to begin with, they said I could bring four or five things in. I've probably bought, if you count everything about a hundred things in, you know, even to the point where I had Larry Chan do a, a custom photo of two seven, seven on the new sixth street bridge, which is actually 10 feet tall and 20 feet long. That's on the wall. I even brought all the mirrors from my garage there and there. The outlaw Porsche sign that's on the wall came from the garage. So in a way, it's just me replicating the garage and sharing that, you know, to a broader audience of people, like I say, they want to come, but I'm not always there. So it's, I guess, a bigger opportunity for people to sort of learn about Porsche from the front engine, mid engine, rear engine, air and water cooled, learn my story, share my story, and maybe, um, you know, just share some passion and inspiration, which you know, seems to be happening. So that's kind of what the exhibition's about. It's not just the 10 cars, like I say. It's also 10 years worth of videos compiled into, you know, a big screen that's in rotation. And I'm constantly giving things away, like stickers and posters and Hot Wheels and things like that. Do you that. feel so, like we're, so now it's been 10 years and you're having this Peterson Museum. Do you feel, I, I don't want to, does it feel like the, the end of something or the beginning of something different? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like this is like the culmination of something and you're onto something else? Or how do you feel about, about that? I haven't put a timestamp on it that it's the end of an era and the beginning of another. I think when I turned 50, which was five years ago, that was the beginning of a new chapter. Obviously, the Urban Art Law film still seems relevant. I mean, people are still watching it. People are still inspired to go see the exhibition at the museum because for the 
for a lot of people, it's the first time they've seen these cars. They might have seen one or two of them, but they haven't seen them in, in, in person. So uh, I don't think it's the beginning or end. I think the film is still relevant. I think it still stands the test of time. You got to think back ten years ago. The automotive content uh, arena wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. You know, Petrolicious was barely around ten years ago. It wasn't as easy to make a short form documentary. You know, I wasn't even on Instagram. I wasn't on YouTube. So the climate has changed. I think the film is still reaching a new audience. I think the film is just as relevant uh, relevant today as it was ten years ago. I mean. <laughs> We didn't know what to expect when we put that film out 10 years ago. And the fact that it still stood the test of time and people, are, a new audience is getting introduced to it for the first time. You know, I think the film, uh, you know, is timeless in a way. So it's not the beginning or end. I think one thing that the Peterson Museum does for me is it's kind of the next level of achievement and credibility. It's a bit like the film led to the TED talk, led to the book. The Peterson Museum in a way is a, is a first because it's the first time they've actually had a standalone uh, builder collector exhibition that is not like a Porsche exhibit or, for example, a roof exhibit, which is a mm-hmm. business. You know, people have donated cars to exhibitions, but it's the first time there's been a standalone Porsche exhibition there that was all put together by one guy. I mean, we even hung our own stuff in the exhibition hall. Like the Peterson didn't hang anything on the wall. We did it ourselves. So that was another first. So there's a lot of first going on there that I'm really proud of. And like I said, just having the opportunity to be showcasing what I'm about in a world-class facility. Uh, you know, we're just coming back from SEMA. It's LA Auto Show Week coming up. So it's a good time to be there. There's a lot of car enthusiasts in town looking for car culture stuff to do separate of the LA Auto Show and post-SEMA. So the timing's pretty good. Well, speaking of SEMA, what was your big takeaway from that? You know, as you walked around and looked at everything, if you were even able to navigate and part the crowd, uh, what was the, I mean, what, what was your, what was your feeling of, of SEMA this year in terms of where everything's going? Because I've been going for ten years, so you know, SEMA to me is always inspiring. Even though like fifty, sixty percent of it is lifted off-road trucks, there's always inspiration there. Whether it's a color combo or wheel and tire combo, uh, there's more Porsches at SEMA than I've ever seen in the past. You know, the Ring Brothers are building awesome stuff. There's just a good energy, a good vibe. People are happy to be back post-COVID, you know, actually checking out each other's work. This was the first time I actually didn't display a car at SEMA. So it was a little bit different not having a car on display. I did a book signing free giveaway with Mobile One. So it was a little bit different not actually having a car, but I left actually pretty pumped and inspired to, hey, maybe it's time I started building a new car. You know, I actually yeah. left inspired. So from that point of view, SEMA always inspires. It's, it's a great environment to uh, see everything that's going on. It was good. To, it was good to have that good vibe feeling like it was, you know, cause I've never been to SEMA before I went this year and I, I got there and I didn't really know what to expect. And, you know, I was like, Oh, it's after COVID. And I know these other manufacturers pulled out. Is this going to be kind of like this writing on the wall for enthusiasts? Right. But it wasn't, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was absolutely incredible to see everyone doing all different things. Even if it wasn't my thing, they were still doing yeah, stuff. It was I mean, great. People are inspired. You know, it's like we were all talking about electrification and the end of the internal combustion engine. But SEMA's just proof that people love to modify stuff, right? Regardless of what it is, a truck, a car, it doesn't matter. So, you know, SEMA to me is always a positive, inspired place to be. You know, we'd actually gone out there early for this Las Vegas Concours, and it seems that Las Vegas is going to become the epicenter 
with Formula One moving there. I think SEMA's going to move back a week. They're doing this Las Vegas Concord. They're building a Las Vegas car week, yeah. you know, around <laughs> Formula One 2023. So there's a lot of momentum going on Las Vegas becoming a car town, which you don't necessarily think of Vegas as a car town. Right. Even, though, even though there's a lot of people live there that actually have pretty nice cars. And some of the roads around uh, Las Vegas are actually great scenic driving roads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of elements there uh, which sort of make sense to do car-related stuff in, in Vegas. I mean, SEMA's been there for 55 years, so these guys were ahead of the trend. And one thing Vegas really knows how to do is, is entertain, you know, and put on a show. And they know hospitality. Right. You know, unlike, let's say, Monterey Car Week, where it's hard to get around and navigate and find the hotel. Right. You know, Vegas has got that down. You know, that's what Vegas is known for, right? Hospitality and entertaining. So it seems like the stars are aligning for Vegas becoming, you know, not the car culture capital, but a new destination to go and enjoy cars and motorsports. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm going to try and get out to uh, get to your exhibit probably in December, January. I'm hoping I can. Well, it runs through January 31st. Okay. So, you know, if you want to have me show you around. You know, you're more than welcome to let me know, and I'll give you the tour for anyone that's tuning in. If you want to see it, it's in the Legends Room at the Vault. Runs through January 31st. All right, man. It's it's been a pleasure as always. I hope you have a, a safe flight and you enjoy your wandering around, getting your steps in over there in New York City. Hey, man. I, I appreciate the time and support. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I'll see you in LA. I'll see you at the Peterson. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Have a great day. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Always great to hear from Magnus. I can't wait to get out there and see the exhibit. What an awesome guy. Yeah, He's I went out there. So cool. It's, it's it's weird watching like my from afar relationship with Magnus over the course of who is this guy? What is this video? Holy cow. Whoa, Porsches are getting expensive. This is this guy's <laughs> fault. Oh, I really like this guy. So it's been the kind of like this. this, this Damn, huge, Magnus. Yeah, uh, huge, I like him. Huge arc. He's of, a super cool guy. Though, yeah, for huge sure. arc. So got a little bit of news, or do you want to talk about your project first? Well, no, I just want to make a quick observation before we go into our news. You know, on your social right, media, we've seen. Jake's, Jake's probation here. Let's, well, and I don't even know what. Um, the question is what it says about us, but I'm realizing that we have two complete opposite projects going on right are now. Are you saying that our tastes are not the same? <laughs> Newsflash! Yeah. That's the news. That's yeah. the headlining news. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, so you are currently pulling out the factory gas engine to put in a Volkswagen diesel in the Trooper. Because it's a horrible engine. It is truly a shitbox of an engine that's in the Trooper, the gas Yeah, a Volkswagen one. diesel is. You're right. Because I have pulled out the Volkswagen diesel from the 944 to put in the factory motor. Okay. So we're actually at the exact same like spot on these projects in the opposite order. I wonder whose will run first. Me putting a motor in something that totally doesn't belong there or you hooking up an OEM factory engine in that a I car. have to like go through and rebuild first. Are you going to rebuild the engine? Mm, I don't know. No, don't do that. What are you thinking? <sighs> at, at the very least, I should do the timing belt. Well, it's out. Timing. Yes, that'll yes. be that'll right. be that'll be. Much it, easier. Our buddy's like, oh, well, you should do the rod bearings while it's out. You should do oil pan gasket. You should. That's do- Colin, and yes, you could do those things. But my recommendation would be to do as little as possible. Agreed. To get it in there and get it down the road. I. That's what if I'm going to do. I'm going to do a time. Were- Here's the thing. They're gonna. If you have a nine four four turbo for sale, they go. Okay. When's the timing belt been done? 
And you could be like Friday. Right. Yes. But anything else? Oh, when have when have the crank bearings been done? Nobody what? does that. No. Nobody does that. No. No. They just go off whatever they've read on the internet. I wouldn't do I would do the timing belt water pump situation and right. all that stuff. That's all the one and situation. Then, and then down the road. Do you really think the TDI is a shitty engine? I just it's a diesel, so yes. What? Unless it's in a truck and it's a Cummins or something. What I just, so I just don't get diesels. I don't get it. Why? They do you see no benefit to them? Fuel economy, power. Both there's are, not power, it's torque. There's a big distinction. Okay, torque. Yeah. The nah. ability to do work, sorry. Yeah, it makes sense in a truck where you're going to do work with it. Hello, what is this engine going into? I'm putting it in a truck, therefore yeah. it should be cool to you immediately. Yeah, I do. It, it makes sense there, I guess. It's, it's a big turbo TDI. Yeah. It should get over 30 miles per gallon, have like 200 horsepower, 300 and something pound feet of torque in a truck. Did you look in a 4BT? I don't even know what that is. It's a it's a Cummins. Oh, the Cummins. In, diesel. No, I don't, I don't want that. I don't know anything about I mean, that's them. That's a truck motor. Yeah, but so? Who gives a shit? What difference does that make? I don't know. It power is power, and what the work that it does is the work that it does. Just because it's a truck engine doesn't really mean anything to me. I know the TDI stuff. I know how it works. I've driven many of them, all the Volkswagen diesel stuff. I know them. I'm very familiar with Volkswagen stuff. Yeah, okay, stuff. but then explain yourself with this Mercedes. A same thing. I know them. I've been around them. I've freaking, like I've said a million times, lost my virginity in one of these things. <laughs> no, like, I'm talking the Mercedes diesel. What about it? I just, it's a car with a diesel. That doesn't make they sense. They put them in the G-Wagon. Sure. Okay. okay so that then makes it, sense. Then it's, um, all of a sudden it's okay. Yes. Totally different. You're towing with it. What What about the performance? You just need the the revs. You just psychologically need it, don't you? That's it what it is. It just doesn't fit in a car. Why? It's slow. It's no, it noisy. It's, it's slow. stinky. It's dirty. All of the above. It is not slow. The power delivery is different. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't like how the what the power right. delivery is. I don't is like, like the power delivery. They're not slow. They're not stinky. They're not. If it depends on the it's, diesel that you're that you have. Modern diesels aren't stinky. They're just not. It's more stinky than a gas. No, it isn't. Like if you get like if the only thing coming out of like a new diesel, like a Mark Seven, is like nitrogen, nitrous oxide or whatever. Not nitrogen. Uh, it's some nitrogen product, or whatever. It right. doesn't smell. You can literally breathe it. You can go down by the the which you need then the blue def diesel additive. Yeah, I hate for. that stuff. I hate it yeah, so much. If it's a gas engine, it. you don't need absolutely that. hate it. That's what a catalytic great fuel is. economy, good power, and they're efficient. They're efficient engines. They can sit there and idle and use almost no fuel whatsoever. They're just different. You are a high strung wee kind of guy. You're right. You're and right. That's not what they are. They're Correct. just different. Hundred percent. They, they're they're hundred percent different. Anyway, so. I think in the truck, it's going to be a perfect motor for it. If I can get it. <sighs> what? It's going to be a struggle for me. This is this is way more advanced than anything I've ever done before. Yeah, the whole put it in and now you're going to have to take it out and do that five times. That bothers least. me. I've already had in and out three or four times. Just like <laughs> in and out. Like, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. I, that kind of stuff. I have trouble. Yeah, that would bug me. I have the trouble with the patience of it. And then I. So I had a talk with myself. I, okay. And I'm like, okay, this is just the way that it is. This is the this is the process. It's just a different process than you're used to. Mm -hmm. you, to putting the engine in and out and off and on. It's just it's just part of it. It's just a new process. It's not a slower process. It's just a different one. 
So that's what I've been telling myself. And I feel okay with it going in and out. Yeah. You know, if it was Alex Nelson, he would just scan everything and do it in CAD. Yes, he told me that he he does hate in computer the in and out. And that's why he's only put the BMW in it once. Right. So I'm hoping I get away with that because he can see everything digitally. Yeah, I have to take it out at least two more times. But it's it's in there. I did bolt it up to the transmission and everything does clear. So it's in there. How much clearance? Enough. Plenty of it. Here's uh, the other thing. Deedles, deedles, deedles. They don't rattle around. They are are not a smooth engine. Yes, they are. No, they are not. Yeah, 100% they are. That's when they're broken. Everywhere. That's when they're broken. They do that. Just so much rattling. When a gas engine doesn't run right or has a bad spark plug, it also rattles and moves all over the place and is not smooth. Right. It's the same thing with a diesel. If everything is operating as it should, it is a smooth engine and it sounds like a little typewriter. That's just every everything. I don't know where you're getting all these like myths from. I don't understand. That is the common perception of diesels and my experience of diesels. If you walk outside and look at my Mercedes diesel, look at it. It does not even look like it is running. And when you're sitting in the car, you cannot even feel that it is running. You just don't. It does not move. It just you don't like the nailing, the sound. Right. You I don't like you that associate that with slow dirty semi yep that's but you're you're wrong you're you're incorrect you have no you're basing this off of some sort of like the majority of diesels like what like most diesels on the road today are trucks correct that's because they are awesome and they (laughs) (laughs) but trucks are slow dirty rattly noisy great for towing Great for towing. Great for towing. Great That's for reliability. Great for efficiency. And I guarantee you, if Volkswagen hadn't cheated and gotten screwed with that, you'd see a lot more diesels on the road today. Oh, I'm sure you, you would. You absolutely would. But because the, you can't say I'm wrong because, yes, the vast majority of them are trucks, and those attributes are true in there. Therefore, the, the vast majority with, of diesels are noisy, dirty, etc. cetera. Mm, yeah. They, they truck, well, it depends on how well-maintained they are, I guess. That's really what it comes down to. Regardless. Anyway, what's your point? I don't know. I said at the beginning of this, I don't know what I'm getting to, but I just, it's interesting that we're doing the exact opposite project. Almost at all times, we're doing the opposite things. True. Yes, absolutely. All right. Ford is testing. I don't, this is my lead story because I hate this so much. Okay. And we'll talk, we can feel free to interrupt me (coughs) at any time. Okay. So Ford is currently testing uh, connected vehicle technology. And this is something that I think. That doesn't sound new. Cars kind of know where they are all the time right now anyway, With like GPS a new car. Integrated. GPS, they know where they are, CarPlay, everything else. So I'm, okay. I'm not surprised at this. Um, they're testing connected vehicle technology in the city of Cologne, Germany, that uses geofencing. Do you think Cologne smells really good all the time? No, it definitely does not. To advance <laughs> an additional... Come on, man. That's like the worst joke I've ever heard. They use geofencing to advance an additional but perhaps you know why it unexpected goals. Removing speed limit signs completely i like that do you yeah no more speed limit signs as gps technology allows vehicles to track their own movement along a digital map that contains information blah blah blah. the goal of improving road safety in areas such as school zones and other pedestrian traffic areas so this technology needs no introduction uh-huh as, as they had like as two, two, two paragraphs of <laughs> at present it's largely enforced by cameras writing tickets in european cities right. quote in europe up to 29 percent of road fatalities are pedestrians and cyclists probably doing what they're not supposed to do on correct. their bikes and yes, cycling, correct. Um, depending on the country, Ford points out. Setting up 30 kilometer hour, otherwise known as 18.6 mile per hour in freedom units, zones is considered one of the key measures 
to reduce the wow, risk of pedestrians in urban areas. 18 miles an hour? more time to react and the impact speed is lower. You told me to interrupt you and then you're not allowing me to interrupt you. 18 miles an hour is very slow. It is very slow. It is creepy crawly. Wow. It's very slow. That's all. This trial set to run for 12 months is more nuanced as Ford's geofencing speed limit control system must also <laughs> okay. work if with other vehicles on the road. Geofencing? That's just such a negative connotation right out the gate. Uh, Anything you're fencing. Yes, well, fence is meant to keep things in. So nobody likes to be kept in right. anywhere, told they can't do anything. That's why I kind of don't think this will fly. Um, blah, blah, blah. Must, it must work with vehicles on the road, not impeding traffic flow, and hereby not increasing the risk of other types of accidents. This is why Ford is testing this technology in a very limited area. Basically, what they're doing is they're yeah, saying, in this the, area, you cannot exceed this speed. And the and car, the car, won't, won't the car will not do it. Right. The car, they're not doing very good at explaining this. So they're no, gonna, because like, so your whole point, like if you have your GPS, if you have Waze or even Google Maps up, it'll tell you the speed limit at any given area that yes. you're driving. Right. So all they're doing now is that technology is in the car and is now ex basically connected to the accelerator pedal. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In the future, Ford's geofencing speed limit control system could enable drivers to set their own geofencing zones at speed as low as 12.4 miles per hour. Why would you ever do this? Um, I think that you could, it could be useful. Here's the problem. They, they say that you could use this for your children, right? Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's the way to teach kids how to be responsible. Agreed. But that's a whole philosophy there. Yes. You're getting into differing philosophies. Just different philosophy of, of parenting as in, well, I will parent society my society in general. Oh, well, yeah. You're you, just, do we need, you're shirking, do we need rules? You're or, shirking the responsibility of right, teaching your exactly. kids the difference between is right and wrong. Is it personal responsibility or is it the responsibility of society to put these constraints on others? Right. Uh, including at depots and private facilities, speed limits could also be set dynamically to take into account local hazards, temporary roadworks, and the time of day. All right. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with this in some ways how i would love to see um dynamic speed control based on data seeded from all the cars driving on the road no traffic no speed limit you know oh, so, so you're, I, well that's the other way yeah that's what i'm thinking they're not going to do like opening up restrictions it's yeah. only going to be limiting no people downtown speed limits 35 instead of 25 like i will can it go both ways that would be cool is my okay if there's a ton of people downtown speed limit reduced to 20. yes kind of okay kind like of in okay neighborhoods generally i'm doing 20 below i'm doing below the speed limit generally in neighborhoods yes well actually. you are in minneapolis not too many people are doing that from no. what i what i've seen i'm kind of okay with that kind of stuff depending on where it is based on population density sure you shouldn't be driving 65 miles per hour on main street no However, what if you need, what if you need like uh what if I'm going 25 and 25 and I need to accelerate to like evade an obstacle? I saw you write that down. Tell me in what scenario there's some obstacle that you need to accelerate away from. I'm not sure. Acceleration can be just as useful as braking, can't it? Like why no, can't? No, not in, okay. If there's any scenario where like, what, what's happening? Maybe a car is going to rear end you maybe, and so you have to accelerate away. Maybe there's an obstacle in the road uh -huh. and there's a car in front of me and I need to get in the left lane to pass the car that's in front of me, but I can't because there's a car in that oncoming, in, in the lane behind me coming up fast and I can't well, accelerate. Per, they're not, per per, they're laws, not going to be. But, per laws, that's still legal. Yeah, but it's me and my 911 without the, the thing. No, right? I know, but I'm saying even today without this limiter, if there was a cop behind you and he saw you accelerate to get around something, they could still write you a ticket. They could, that. they could absolutely. Uh, 
But you're right. This doesn't take into account any sort There's of, no nuance. Yes. There's or, no nuance or logic with it. So or I'm, exceptions to the rule. I'm kind of like, if we could find out a way to... If everyone's... Here, this is assuming everyone's in their Tesla already. Mm-hmm. That already has some sort of level five, not even level five, level two or three autonomy where you're always going to have some sort of cruise control going or assisted steering anyways. So then it's just going to put limitations on that. In that scenario, sure, it makes sense. I just, I I don't feel like any of this actually gets used for what it's saying it's going to get used for. I feel like it's just like, yep, never, 25, always, forever. Right. Fuck yeah. you. Or less. Do what we want. Don't park here. <laughs> Move into the blob. Eat the bugs. You know? What? All right, Honda knows the magic of manual can't be replicated. I kind of I kind of like this one. Okay. Honda isn't quite ready to give up on the stick shifts for good. And as always, guys, if you ever want to read any of these articles cuz I just take little snippets out of them, if you ever want to read them in it, in their entirety and enjoy the the piece written by whoever, they're in the show notes. Right, and check it out. Honda isn't quite ready to give up on stick shifts for good, but the company is realistic about how the dawning EV era likely spells the end of the manual transmission as we know it. During a roundtable interview with Honda CEO Toshihiro Mibe and head of electrification Shinji Aoyama, both executives expressed doubt to car and driver that Honda would pursue any sort of simulated or artificial manual transmissions for upcoming EVs. Good. Not even for electric sports cars that are part of this confirmed future lineup. Yeah, they shouldn't. The fact that it was even a question. Well... I know. Quote, artificially, we can do it. Mechanically, it is not easy, said Ayuyama, referring to the idea of a simulated manual as like an extension of active sound control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is basically saying the engine sounds coming through the, God, BMW is getting really bad at this. The, really? the pops and bangs now come through the internal speakers. Really? Really. <laughs> he personally does not like the idea of an artificial solution like this and said that Honda would pursue other ways of making EVs fun to drive. I don't know what that means. I shiver to know. I shiver to know. Both executives said they see battery technology as well as the packaging, programming, and overall engineering of electric motors and direct drive units as important differentiating factors for electric vehicles and how they feel on the road. This stance is in direct contrast to Toyota's outlook as Honda's chief rival is seemingly embracing the idea of a manual transmission alternative. It recently patented a system for EVs that includes a clutch, a gear shifter, and a... And I'm listening. <laughs> Virtual gear ratios. Yeah. Well, it's the so same. You, it's no different dude, than the CVTs. Remember, people thought they were so weird, so they had to put... I know, but up, this is like literally you're going to push in the clutch, and it's going to drop the engine speed down, and but it's not actually doing anything. No, it's just going to... The noise in your speakers are going wrong, and people are going to be like, I'm so good at driving a manual, bro. Oh, you can I drive a manual? Sure, I can. Check this out. I never killed it. Lexus President <laughs> Koji Sato also expressed desire for the brand's upcoming EV supercar to have some sort a simulated manual as evs do generate eventually take over at honda the company assures us that there will be continue to be vehicles with enthusiast appeal here's the thing i hope they do this no i hope if they do this that the younger generation that's going to come up and drive these don't think it's cool i hope they're like that's really dumb it's antiquated mm-hmm. and therefore it's not cool and yeah. i hope then that it's authentic why are we trying to keep this old thing and it's not even real Right, because we still think manual cars, and most people listening, are cool, but it's because of the authenticity of it, right? So I hope they do try this, and if it does, that people think it's dumb. Because it is. It is. As EVs do eventually take over at Honda, the company assures us there will be blah, blah, blah. Honda has promised two electric sports cars, one described as a flagship, and the other one as a specialty model. 
Teaser images show that both have low slung proportions and the flagship model would likely serve as the accurate NSX's re replacement. We look forward to seeing, not me, that's car and driver, I we, don't. We, we look forward to seeing how Honda can win us over with this new generation of performance vehicles, even if they won't have a manual transmission or any approximation of one. I'm glad they're like, we're just not, that's stupid, we're not going to do it. Yes. But I, so is this like, are these akin to throwing a dog a bone? Is, is that what we're doing here with these with like the, simulated manuals? Is, is it? It's, well, I think it's worse than that because you're not even giving some sort of concession to people. You're saying, well, we realize people aren't going to like this because there is no interaction with the car. So we're going to just make them think there is. That is literally the etymology of throwing a dog a bone. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I wrote it down. <laughs> to throw or toss someone a bone means to make a small concession. Right. To give someone a trivial bit of information, an insignificant item, or a meaningless, meaningless rank in order to placate uh, him. To throw or toss someone a bone by just right. bestowing a small favor. Is like throwing a bone to a howling dog. The idea is simply to quiet the dog, not to give him a healthy meal that is good for him, or to give him a shitty fake manual transmission <laughs> instead of the one that he actually wants. There you go. Yeah. All right. So the new Porsche Taycan is going to have a zillion horsepower. A zillion. A zillion. It's it's everything has so much horsepower now that it, you should they should just make up numbers. <laughs> You know, like, you know, on the back of some cars, like, it'll be like LS 430. Yeah. But like the 430 maybe does or maybe doesn't have anything to do with the actual car. It's just right. Or BMW's nomenclature now. It's like the 330 is not a three liter motor. Right. We should just do that with the horsepower stuff because it's just so fast. It doesn't even matter. Um, as part of a round, as part of a round of midlife updates, Porsche is introducing a new high performance Taycan EV with potentially more than 1000 horsepower. Okay. This is like Here's a, the other thing, too. This car though. is having a midlife crisis already. It's got a wing on it now, too. They put a wing on the Taycan. That doesn't make sense. If, no, it doesn't. But everything you put a wing on is immediately cool. It is immediately faster. And immediately every 46-year-old guy. That's why I love the GT3 Touring. Yes. Because it's the opposite of that. Yeah. This thing now has three motors instead of two. Porsche's okay. current dual motor hardware can only be pushed so far. So to provide over 1,000 BHP to take on Tesla, I'm not sure. If Tesla wasn't doing the plaid, I think Porsche would still do this. Yeah. I, I don't think it really has anything to do with it. The firm could adopt a triple motor configuration for the new flagship. This could also unlock precise torque vectoring capabilities on the associated axle. That With makes sense. Yay. I did not like the torque vectoring. I drove a, a dual motor Model 3 okay. performance. Yeah. I don't like the torque vectoring. It feels weird. It kind of like pulls. It's, it doesn't do what you think. When you're in a corner and you get on it, yeah. you kind of want to feel... The rear end. You want to feel out. the momentum that's actually happening right. versus the momentum being canceled out by changing yeah. the trajectory of the car. Uh, this would also unlock precise torque vectoring with X power and corner performance likely to slash the Turbo S's seven minute, 33 second Nurburgring lap time. Wow. That's, that's uh, just. So here's the other thing I was going to say. This is like putting me to sleep, this, this, this article. <laughs> Earlier this year, Porsche introduced an over-the-air software update to improve the rear-wheel range. Ooh. It's starting to adopt the recent software. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, to your point about horsepower being meaningless, is even in these EVs, you can't measure horsepower. It's all in wattage. And watts, you have to basically do a calculation. to. Well, you can measure the power. You can, you can put it on a dyno, I guess. Yeah, it, horsepower is just a measure of work over time. Correct. So do, you can. Do, do you want to know the story of horsepower? I think we should save it for a, okay. one, one of That's our... Okay, that's the thing. We're going to save that for a history short. Yes. Which are Patreon... I'm sorry, Drivers Club exclusives. Right. 
And how do you become a Drivers Club member, Chris? You just go to overcrestproductions.com slash Drivers Club. I'd like to thank our newest members, Michael Liss, Lissy, Liss, Nicole Hall, RJ Price, who's an old buddy of mine, Mooney21, and then uh, at the $25 level, our new member, William Crater. You guys are awesome. Um, if the podcast rally or anything else inspires you, please consider supporting the show. You get exclusive content like the episode that we're talking about. You get episodes early. You get early access to merch launches. Sometimes when I remember, I'll try to remember. <laughs> I forgot about it. But we, we do all kinds of things for you guys. And uh, plus, you get to feel good. You get to support the show, which is, you know, I don't know. You're here. You're listening. We've done over 350, probably almost 400 episodes now for you guys. We would really appreciate it if you would support the show for the cost of basically one visit to Starbucks a month. That's right. And we do a better job of energizing you than any caffeine could, I like to think. Well, you're energized as it is for everyone, I think. That's All right, correct. Toyota isn't the man. You know, when you think of the man as the guy. And the, the oppressive. And the oppressor. And they're fighting for motoring rights. And I, I really like this because it Wait, was. Wait, I thought Toyota was the one in the last story who was going to do the automated fake transmission. Yeah, but that's not. I don't care. In the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't care about that. Okay. That's just like. Well, let me. Let me hear what you're okay. talking about. In a rare outburst, this rare outburst, the Japanese don't often have rare You're right. Outbursts. They don't burst they out. Don't, they don't out. They don't burst, generally. <laughs> they're not the bursting type of guy. In rare outbursts, they're not Italian, is what I'm saying. The sales and marketing boss of Toyota Australia has slammed electric car extremism. The view that battery-powered cars are the only way forward. And we kind of know this because they kind of put some of their eggs in the hydrogen basket, right? Yeah, they didn't think necessarily that EV was going to be the way forward as they developed the Prius and and, and hybrid stuff going for. Hey, what are you doing? What you're zoned out over there? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm re I'm responding to a message from who? Work. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off. Uh, so they've been putting all their eggs in like the hydrogen basket and like developing hybrids over time and stuff like that. Right. So so like. I can see where they're coming from because they had like this kind of trajectory where they wanted their company to go forward and the well, rest of the world kind of went a different I was direction. Say, so to play devil's advocate, are they just self-serving by basically saying, look, we've invested all this in this. Everyone stop looking at the shiny thing that is EVs. Yes. That is being the only way we also have X, Y, and Z. Let me, uh, let me show you, or let me tell you what they, what they said. Um, they say that no motorist should be left behind on the road to reducing motor vehicle emissions. And this is something that we've talked about a lot. Right. Is how motorists are getting left behind and your sense of personal autonomy is well, being not destroyed even by the cost of EVs and the increased cost of driving your even your combustion engine right. car. That's what I was regulation, say. taxes, license, fees, everything. Everything is like really stacking up. If you're like a middle class, lower middle class, or a poor guy trying to drive a car, trying to get somewhere, trying to get, you know, groceries for your family, trying to leave the food desert that is the ghetto where you live. This is all becoming really hard. Yep. And it's getting to the point where, hey, just get on the bus because you just can't afford to drive anymore. And that is the deletion of personal autonomy. And I don't like that. And I think that's kind of kind of what he's getting here is that no motor should be left behind on the road reducing motor vehicle emissions. The sales and marketing boss of Toyota Australia has delivered an unscripted spray. Unscripted spray at electric car <laughs> extremism overnight <laughs> and doubled down. <laughs> I'm assuming that's from the article. It's not from your... the article. I'm not sure if he's a cat or what. Just... Yes. <laughs> and, and they doubled down on the company's future uh, position that motorists will need a choice of what powers their vehicles can be. 
or what choice of uh, what powers their vehicles. This is worded really poorly. Maybe it's translated. I don't know. One of the most senior executives at the company, Sean Hanley, went off script while addressing motoring media at the Australian debut of the new Toyota Corolla Cross Hybrid SUV in Sydney. Oi, mates, listen here. This is all bullshit, I. Do you think this guy, I mean, he might be Australian. I think he's Australian. The Toyota Sean. is not opposed to battery electric vehicles, said Mr. Hanley, as he stepped away from the lectern to get closer to the audience of a dozen or so motor Ooh, I like that. He stepped away from the mic. From the lectern, yeah, the lectern. We believe to, I looked for a mic drop sound effect to play at the end of this, because it's pretty good. We believe that to get to carbon neutrality, you have to take everyone on the journey. You have to have the solution for the market you're operating in. In the market we operate in, we believe right now that the solution is diversity of products and powertrains. We'll believe, excuse me, we'll have battery electric vehicles for some customers who want that in town. We'll have hybrid vehicles, fuel cell electric vehicles, and plug-in hybrid vehicles as well. By 2030, every Toyota in our range, apart from GR performance cars, will have some sort of electrification. Which they have to do, they have regardless. To. Yeah. But I like the fact that they're excluding their GR performance line. I liked hearing that too. However, Mr. Hanley noted, we believe that you have to have a diverse range of technologies to get there. The point is this. Carbon is the enemy here, not the powertrain. Yes. We are in full support of some mandated type of legislation around emissions reductions. The one thing everybody agrees with is we have to get carbon neutral position. I if it's global. I don't know that I necessarily, even if we went carbon neutral, like all Paris Accord, everything. It Every would, country. It's like just if we all did it. Okay. You're only going to, re, you're, only, you're still going to see an increase of like point something, like a fraction of a degree. Right. We can't really, a lot of it, a lot of the carbon's already in the air and it's already packed right. up. Right. Well, we have to stop at some point and then start the efforts of, re, what is it, carbon reclamation, I think it's called. Yeah. Where basically the, you suck it out of the atmosphere. Yeah, sure. Good luck with that. Toyota is not arguing the toss on that. That's not even a debate. Even with the most extreme viewpoint, we agree you've got to get to carbon neutral, which I think it's reasonable that in any advanced society, you want to get to carbon neutral at some point. Sure. Yes. What we're I disagreeing we on is how and when you get there. Sure. Mr. Hanley then appeared to amp up his frustration with the electric car lobby groups that believe battery operated vehicles are the only way forward. To be honest, some of this belief that you can just go full electric in 10 years in this country and satisfy the owners and what they want to do with their cars is a very difficult proposition. It very much is. It very much is. And I think that leads to the point of this is being leveraged on everybody where they like it or not. Well, and the other thing is, as we've talked about ad nauseum, it, cars shouldn't even be what we're focusing on right now in order to curb carbon emissions because the shipping industry, bunker fuel, all of this is so much worse and such a much larger by exponentially contributor to yep. carbon emissions than all vehicles are. All right. So click on this next link where it says BMW introduces lipstick brand with new SUV. Oh, good. <laughs> so this is the 2024 no. BMW XM label red. Okay. All right. Was, so was that a joke that you made? Look at it. Yeah, I know. It's because it's red. Uh, it looks has like, radius red accents around the grills. And on the side. And on the side. It's awful. Okay, so it's looks not like it's a not partnership a with Mac makeup or okay, something. It's not. Um, they're not giving us much. I, here's what's sad. I believed that it could have been real because oh, yeah. of the state of BMW. Yeah, the, red, the label red, not called the red label because that's been taken by Bentley or something, will make its debut with 738 horsepower and 738 pound-feet of torque. 
blah, 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 plug-in hybrid, something, something. Who cares? Just testing this, testing that. Uh, it comes but they out had 20... to make it ostentatious. Yeah, it's awful. It looks awful. And this, I'm only telling you this to get to the next story, which is what I actually want to talk about. Oh. This thing's going to be $185,000, come out in 2024, and it's hideous. Absolutely hideous. However, BMW wants controversy. And I think this, this what we're about to talk about, defines why BMW is what it is today. Okay. I want to hear this. I kind of stumbled across this as like a, a hyperlink in article, you know, about these quotes. This is uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I forgot who it is. It's one of the designers, Zipsy or something like that. Um, quote, if you want to change design, any step into the future that is perceived as new will be controversial automatically. There's no such thing as future-oriented design without controversy. He explained in an interview with Australian publication Car Sales. He cited the cars designer under... Chris, the cars designed under Chris Bangle in the 2000s, as an example, the E65 Generation 7 Series and the E9X Generation 3 Series left no one indifferent. And the head-turning look ultimately increased buyer awareness. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being a hero and being notorious. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do, yes. Nobody, like, I've I talked to a couple. But um, regardless, if you're notorious, you know the name. He also flowed the want. XM picture, a recently unveiled SUV developed by M Division. Styling cues like the huge kidney gills and yep. massive rear lights have fueled a great deal of debate. But Zipsy noted the oh, I don't know what this guy's name is. Zipsy sounds lame, so that's what we're going to stay with. <laughs> noted the overall response has been positive. There are a lot of discussions here, but almost everyone loves it. This guy lives in a fantasy world. Right. He lives in a snow well, lab full, full of yes. I've men. mentioned this before, and this is fact. You know why they had to do that is in the burgeoning Chinese market, which is what most automakers are focusing on right now. I don't know if most are. Not but it, most, but it is a massive untapped market right now. Of right? course. So BMW is focusing on that. Well, you, have a, most, you have a huge group of people in China who have, like you and I grew up playing with Matchbox cars. Right. These people never had a car, so they have no... They have no like art, like internal subconscious archive of what makes a good looking car. So there's well, like, not oh, only yeah, that, car has more stuff. The bigger issue is they can't decipher or differentiate between one car brand and the other. Studies right. have all shown this. Yeah, and they so don't understand that. If you're going to buy brand a expensive sh car to show off, you need to be able to differentiate and say, hey, this is a BMW. Right, this is cool. Listen so to this. The i7, this is what he says. And this is herein lies the problem. The i7 will never be a mass market car. It will only be a super minority of people who will sit in that car. The majority of people will never sit in that car. It must only be appealing to the customers who are in that segment, not to anyone else. Okay. So here's the problem with this. In my opinion, if you look at design in general, design should be aspirational. Yeah. It should be inclusive in how it looks, not exclusive in how it looks. Interesting. And I'm not sure if this is a commentary on BMW mm -hmm. or if it's a commentary on society as a yeah. whole. Because Well, here let me he continues. And then we can talk about this. Yeah. I want controversy. If we don't have controversy early on in the design process, I already know it's too easy. Out of controversy, you get engagement. You get people thinking about it and thinking about alternatives. Yes. Controversy, negativity as a marketing tool, splendid. And by splendid, I mean disgusting. Instead of the Hulu, little Hulu girl on the dash, little Hawaiian girl. Hula. Hula, Hula, Hulu is a TV. Hulu is, yeah. A little Hula girl on the dash. Next, we should just have, BMW should just go all in and have Jesus submerged in urine floating on the dash. What? That Where was, did that come from? You haven't seen that art piece? No. 
there's an art piece that has Jesus on the crucifix submerged in urine. And all it is wow. is to just create controversy yeah. and get people talking. And if that's what, well, let's just go all in. Let's just do it. Let's go all in. I hate this so much. I hate, I hate that they've admitted that their design language is based on negative reactions from people and that they don't give a shit because they're rich people that have no taste are going to buy it anyway. Fuck you, BMW. I'm done. I'm done with you. Done. I was kind of like, you guys are doing something. Maybe it'll like work out in the future. I don't know what you guys are doing. We'll see how it pans out. Nope. I'm all done. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm done. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. We should never talk about new BMW stuff on this podcast again. The whole exclusivity for the ultra rich or the aspirational is it's, it's in not inclusive. It's exclusive. That did kind of remind me and run some parallels to what Kippenberger talked about on our last podcast. Sure. Yeah. You I know, can see that. And just kind of the, the marketing tactics he uses. I, I don't, I don't really like any of that stuff. I don't I, either. Tr I truly but don't. It's, Interesting. You know, if you think about, like, think of a 2000-ish uh, a 750IL. Okay. Okay, you look at that car. It has a V12 in it. Yep. It's 320 horsepower. The seats, what? That's not much horsepower for a V12. Yes, it is. At the time, it okay. is. Okay. You got, dude, you got to take stuff in the context I of what know. it's about. Don't do that. It's 320 <laughs> horsepower, okay? The, the, uh, the V8 had... Uh, Didn't they, is that the motor they put in the Zonda? I think it's a variation of it. And yeah. I think the variations end up being like McLaren type things. And yeah. It's, it got turned into a few different things. Uh, anyway. Regardless. Regardless. You look at that car. Series. Seven yeah. series. It does many things very, very well. Yeah. And it speaks of none of them. You're right. Okay. It was a very subdued. It was a very. And that's most. What, that's what true luxury used to be. Like you, you think didn't of, have to impress anybody. Yes. You just. And yes. I think like. Today, I think true luxury is, I'm holding my phone right now. If you don't need this, that's true luxury. If you can not, if you can throw Good this point. thing out the window and not care, that's to not, that, that's true luxury. The people that are buying this stuff are not truly rich because they're still trying to impress someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not truly wealthy. That's it's, not old money. That's new money. BMW, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't care if nobody from BMW ever comes on this podcast ever. That attitude right there has ruined well, that's that not necessarily representative of the brand, but that is an insight into the, the guy who's in charge of design. Got it. Yeah. It's totally different from the company. I, I get it. All right. Talk to me about people gluing themselves. To things. <laughs> yeah. This is so dumb, Chris. I, I've heard of this, but I don't follow the news on it. So here it is. Protesters. Before we do this, did, did we talk about Oberk? No, we didn't. Yes. Let's do a little bit of Oberk talk shall we yeah let's talk about something that'll make your car look nicer not more terrible like bmw you know if you but if you, you had can like use 500 Oberk gallons of Oberk polisher and put it on a bmw and just it would look a lot better you think so yep I think that'd be an improvement. <laughs> yeah so Oberk was research developed and tested by car care experts to bridge the gap between enthusiasts and professional grade products and remove the guesswork from polishing or detailing if you've ever wanted to polish your vehicle but didn't know where to start Oberk is made just for you. These guys are passionate with a long history of developing products, so they know what makes a good product firsthand. And right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order at oberkcarcare.com when you use the code OVERCREST. Again, check them out at oberkcarcare.com and use the coupon code OVERCREST. All right. This is, okay, this so is a long episode. I feel like it was yesterday when we talked to Magnus Walker. 
Yeah. I really feel like it is. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, you know, it's, what? I always like when I come into the podcast, this is, it's a 50 hour drive for me. Traf- 50 hour at the, in the day. Yes. 50 wow. hour drive. It's I'm coming from, I don't know, somewhere in Mexico, <laughs> <laughs> 50 minute drive. And I'm always kind of like, Oh man, I gotta go. And then when I get here and I do it, I love this so much. Yeah. It's great. I love being with you, Jake. I really do. You're a great friend. Thank I love you. you too, Chris. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so protesters. I, I, I like you so much that I would not glue myself to you. That's really? How, that's how much I like wow. you. Wow. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, protesters attempting to raise awareness over climate change have taken up wild antics in the past few weeks, from throwing soup across a Van Gogh painting to throwing mashed potatoes at a Monet and even chucking cake at the Mona Lisa. The stunts, executed by various climate activist groups, are an attempt to draw attention to the climate crisis. Well, we're talking How? about it. We're talking about it. Is that really all it comes down to? That's it. That's so it, So dumb. It is dumb. I'm going to throw cake at the Mona Lisa. I think- I'm going to try to deface- The angle is this. The angle is, if society is dead because of climate change, the Mona Lisa isn't worth anything. The only reason the Mona Lisa is worth anything I is hope, because of the veneer of society. I That's hope they doing. have that much thought into it rather than just trying to get attention. I think they're, they are, they're definite whack jobs. Yes. And they're definitely fringe and extreme. But a lot of it, is, it is, it's very intelligent fringe and extreme thinking. Well, then it's that needs to be communicated because all I'm getting out of this is you're trying to destroy, you know, this priceless artwork. Yeah, they, they have like some manufactured, like they're smart, but it doesn't really make sense to me. Like yeah. they come up with this convoluted like, well, reasoning. Yeah, and here's more of the same. Not only are activists throwing messy foods at valuable items, they're also gluing themselves to them. It's happening often from two supporters of the UK-based climate activist group, Just Stop Oil. Hey, remember when I said they were smart? That's a lame name. You got to come up Just with something. Just Stop Oil. They glued themselves to a frame of a constable painting. I don't know what that is. To uh, There was also a man who glued his head to the girl with the pearl earring. I, that painting sounds familiar. These are all like, you know, super valuable paintings. Millions, millions, yeah. yeah. And most recently, a dozen eco-idiots stormed the Paris Motor Show and glued themselves to a bunch of Ferraris. The, quote, Extinction Rebellion. Oh, that's way fanatics. better than Just Stop That oil. is much better. Could you imagine, like, the recruiting conference that they have? Yeah. Well, you either have Just Stop Oil or... And it's everybody just sitting there and, like, and then you've got this... Extinction like, Rebellion! There's, like, lights and strobes and people, like, smearing themselves with feces. I had you until that one. That's what I was on board until that last part. Okay, so they held up a band and chanted at some of the eco-warriors sat on the floor and glued their hands to the hoods of cars, including a Ferrari Testarossa, of which they actually spray-painted as well with black paint. So I just, again, it's trying to deface these things, which I wish they would have some commentary in there about, like... They think that it's, hey, if you're going to spend money, you should spend money on saving the world. Because if the world doesn't exist anymore, your Ferrari is worthless. That's the thought pattern. Well, that makes sense if they would dictate that to me rather than just, meh. It's, I think the problem is, is that there's a lot of crying wolf happening with all yeah. this. It, it's, you know, 
Well, regardless, 11 people were arrested after the minutes-long stunt <laughs> in the French capital. Uh, most recently, members of the Scientists' Rebellion. Ooh, that's kind of like in the middle between that's Stop pretty Oil good and the too, Extinction Rebellion. Which is a collection of so-called academics dressed in white lab coats, super glued themselves to a concrete floor of the Porsche Pavilion. We should have learned over COVID that you trust anyone wearing a white lab coat. True. Anyone wearing a lab, white lab coat, yeah. immediately trustworthy. You yeah. can believe anything they say. Stay at Note, home. Note, though, though, they're not actually scientists. They're just academics that call themselves scientists. Academics, yes. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, they glued themselves to the floor at this Porsche pavilion at, uh, it was the Volkswagen Luxury Cars Exhibit in uh, Wolfsburg. In, uh, the Autostadt. Yes. And after just a few short hours, the ego demonstrators took to Twitter to complain that the glue was irritating their hands, Chris, and they were hungry desperately needed a bathroom. Well, that's what happens. Quote. Everybody poops. Quote. The staff refused a request to provide us with a bowl to urinate and defecate in, in a decent manner, while we are all glued and have to have turned off the heat even. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think they, like, turned off the lights at, and left. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they they were like, okay, bye. Yep. Fine. Ding, 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 it wasn't ding, ding. long before more complaints emerged on the group's social media accounts. Quote, we can't order our food. We must use the ones provided by Volkswagen. So they're complaining that Probably the people- some kielbasa with curry that, ketchup on it. Yeah. I would have complained too. Well, <laughs> the food at the cafeteria at the Volkswagen place- that's curry ketchup okay, is so bad. But they're feeding them. The people that are protesting and like, you know, basically yeah. doing damage to their exhibit. Yeah. They're actually feeding I thought them. they were supposed to be on a hunger strike. What are we yeah. doing? So that's that's the other thing. Uh, it, it's an odd complaint because they were also said to be <laughs> on a Starving, hunger strike. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah uh, when the museum staff knocked off for the day, protesters complained that they were left in darkness and that security guards did their rounds, quote, with bright flashlights. <laughs> It's so bright. What are you doing? Quote, lights off. Random unannounced checks by security guards with bright torches. Police just KM. What What do you what mean do you unannounced? Want? You want them to announce? Um, excuse me, protesters. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to come check in. Don't be alarmed. Finally, after just 24 hours, the leader of the group posted a photo of his swollen hand, stating, quote, doctors ascertained the possibility of light-threatening blood clots in my hand and recommended an immediate transfer to a hospital. My health is, of course, paramount, and I accepted to leave this wonderful group and was taken to the hospital. <laughs> what a cop-out. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Just, just kidding, just kidding. We, oh, we, we got to say bye better than that, don't we? I don't know. I thought you were just like, and done. <laughs> I don't know if we were way over time or something. No, but, but now we're done. We'll okay. see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay.